0: Good Tuesday morning. Thank you for joining us on the Jerry and Jerry show. My name is Jerry Miller. We are live in downtown Charlottesville, Virginia, our studio in the shadows of the University of Virginia, about a mile and change from the John Paul Jones Arena, Scott Stadium, the Rotunda, and everything orange and blue. But have no fear, this show broadcasts Across all social media platforms. So if you have a question for Craig Littlepage, our guest on today's show, let us know and we will relay it live on air. We're very excited to, to conversate with a man that I think needs absolutely no introduction an athletics director that's made some of the most monumental and impactful hires in UVA athletics history. Just to name a few, how about Tony Bennett and Brian O'Connor? Junea Wickower, let's go to the studio camera and let's welcome the star of our program, the Virginia Sports Hall of Famer. 40 years on the Virginia, 40 years plus on the Virginia Athletics beat, 50 consecutive ACC tournaments right around the horizon. Jerry Hooty
1: Radcliffe, <laughs>
0: my friend, good Tuesday morning to you.
1: Thank you, and uh, uh, fellow Virginia Sports Hall of Famer. Uh, in Mr. Littlepage, who'll be inducted in April, uh, I know he's looking forward to that. It was, it's they they treat you like a king during this uh, weekend. I'm so looking
2: forward to it. Absolutely, you're, you're
1: in for a blast.
0: Okay, uh, Craig Littlepage is in the house, viewers and listeners. Let us know your questions. I'll start with a simple one for him. Craig, what's going on with your life today?
2: Well, Jerry, my my life is uh, extremely busy. And uh, I was told by a couple of friends as I was winding down, uh, I had announced my retirement, and uh, a couple of friends called me, and the the advice that I was given was uh, take a a few months to just kind of unwind and uh, kind of get your footing and so forth. But uh, long term, make sure that you find something that brings value something that uh, adds value to either the institution, to college sports, uh, to your friends, uh, in addition to spending time with family. And I I was able to to find that passion and kind of the why and the the purpose and so forth. So I'm engaged in executive search work, uh, handling uh, multiple directors of athletic searches, and coaching searches, Um, I'm a senior consultant with the executive search firm, Collegiate Sports Associates. Todd Turner, a former uh, colleague uh, from the University of Virginia, uh, founded uh, CSA back in 2010. And the interesting part of this is that Todd Turner and I started work at the University of Virginia on the same day, and I I don't know the exact date, but I wanna say June 20th, 1976 we started work uh, together. And uh, our first uh, interaction was going to the benefits office together on that first day (laughs) of work. So we've known each other since uh, 1976. But uh, I I do executive search work, number one. Secondly, I do professional development work, uh, executive coaching. Uh, The professional development work is in the uh, identification and uh, uh, development of aspiring coaches and athletics administrators and uh, do some of that work with the NCAA do some of it with uh, conferences, but I find a lot of joy in that and uh, i 'm still a very big fan of the University of Virginia. I go to as many events as I can. Uh, many of the the coaches uh, the head coaches that are there are coaches that were there when when I was the uh, director of athletics, so I take great joy in seeing the success of all the teams, but in particular those teams that uh, I had uh, gotten to meet those coaches and hired those coaches while I was the director of athletics. And, I mean, that makes for a pretty full week. I mean, there isn't a lot of free time. I'm now dog-sitting for my grand dog, and uh, <laughs> that is a lot of fun. It's a, I haven't had – my wife and I haven't had a dog for over, well, about 30 years or so. Okay. So uh, – Having that as a part of the family uh, in the short term for the next two months is uh, a big activity as well. Fantastic. Absolutely busy man here, hootie.
1: Absolutely. And, uh, you know, for those who may be newbies to Charlottesville or are not familiar with Craig's career, he was AD at Virginia for 16 years. I mean, he was assistant AD before that, but AD for 16 years, that's Incredible longevity for an AD, particularly in, in these times. <laughs> yeah, and they're probably, you could
2: count them on one hand, the number of athletics directors that have been in their current positions for 15 years or so. And, yeah. I mean, it, again, it's a very small number. And you see a lot of movement of ADs that are moving from one job to another. Maybe it's a, a step up the ladder. It could be a perceived uh, lateral step. Uh, a lot of coaches as well moving, uh, but a lot of the veteran folks are as well retiring because of the, the complexities of college athletics and all the things that are going on. I'm sure that we'll cover at least uh, some of those topics today, but uh, it's a, a time of great uh, uh, turnover, which makes the executive search business Pretty good. <laughs> yeah, uh, good for you. Yeah, yeah. But uh, uh, the, you know, getting a chance to stay involved in a number of things that keep me connected with my friends that are either recently out of the business or still working, and uh, it's a good feeling to uh, have somebody give me a call, and say, "Well, what do you think about this? Uh, what would you do the, under these circumstances?" That type
1: of thing. Well, you would be the guy that would know. Uh, in in your 16 years as AD at Virginia. <clears throat> Cavaliers won 13 national championships, 76 ACC championships. Um, More than any of the other ACC schools. Correct. And uh, you're like Pete Rose. You know all your stats. I know he does. <laughs> Prioritize athletic success across the board.
0: I was in, at UVA as a student when he made that commitment yep. of making it, what, the Stanford of the East – Um, Yep. You guys routinely, it used to be called the Sears Cup. Director's Cup. The Director's Cup. You know, routinely contending. Um, And it made it just a fantastic experience for students. And now as a father of two and as a husband, as we take our little boys to games, nothing better than seeing Hootie, the baseball team, the lacrosse team, the soccer team, softball team, swimming, you name it, squash, golf, have success.
2: Yep. Well, when, when I took over as director of athletics, it was August of uh, 2001. Uh, leading up to that, I was asked by John Castine and the director uh, the, the of the Board of Visitors um, to develop a blueprint, develop a game plan for what would be needed to move the University of Virginia's athletics program into a consistently performing top 10 program. And the answer basically came down to investing in people. That is that we had to hire quality coaches, great educators and leaders. We had to fully fund scholarships so that the coaches could maximize their ability to fill their rosters. And then number two, uh, building facilities. And in in 2001, we were not in good shape in terms of the the facilities that we had. Uh, the baseball facility at that time was an embarrassment. Uh, football, we were just finishing up the expansion to Scott Stadium, David Harrison Field. Uh, we had uh, needs in tennis. We had needs, as I said, in baseball. Uh, there were other other facility needs that we had, but uh, the most important need at that point in time was basketball. And uh, we had done a study a number of years prior to that that indicated that for an investment of 40 or $50 million, we couldn't do much with University Hall, we couldn't add seats, so there wasn't a payoff in terms of being able to generate additional revenue. So the answer then became, we need to build a new facility. And uh, the John Paul Jones Arena then uh, was a, uh, uh, a concept that came up at that point in time, and uh, what, five or six years later, we opened the John Paul Jones Arena, and it still uh, remains one of the most outstanding uh, multi-use but basketball facilities in the country, particularly on a college campus.
1: Yeah, pretty tough place to play. 22 straight, Hootie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, hosting Pitt tonight. Um, and, you know, one one of the things, Craig, that added to your legacy, I think, is the some of the – Then Jerry mentioned it earlier – some of the people that you brought in to the program over the years. And one of the questions I got last night from uh, Dante C. I don't know who that is exactly, but he said, uh, Craig Littlepage hired so many of Virginia's NCAA championship coaches. Could you ask him what traits he looks for in a coach? What does he think is his version of the UVA way? Great question.
2: It, it is, is a great a, question. Yeah. I would say, uh, first, let's get out of the way uh, the um, the intangibles that are no-brainers. Uh, you have to have somebody that is honest, uh, particularly at the University of Virginia, given everything that UVA stands for, a person that's going to play by the rules, uh, whether they are NCAA rules, ACC rules, or institutional rules, that they have to respect uh, playing by the rules. Uh, secondly... I think they have to have a respect for education, teaching Mm -hmm. and learning. And uh, coaches are, in my opinion, are more than coaches. Coaches are educators. Coaches are leaders. And individuals that are uh, uh, willing to embrace the challenge of being uh, a professional in higher education, again, being something beyond a coach that works with 15 players or 80 players or whatever the number is, and the reason that that's important is there, there are so many challenges that a coach, that a coach will face. Uh, sometimes those challenges are uh, academic challenges versus athletic challenges, number of missed class days, when practices are held, and uh, whether a student athlete is going to be able to take his or her preferred major even if that major conflicts with practice. Uh, those sorts of things. So an an individual that really does respect uh, teaching and learning, uh, uh, an educator that is a a leader, as I said, and it's not just that this is a person that's a leader of that particular sport, but we want somebody that's going to be a leader in the department, be a leader in terms of uh, the university as a whole, and be a a recognized and available university community leader. And then the final thing that I would uh, talk about is coachability, somebody that doesn't come in wanting to uh, be portrayed as somebody that has all the answers mm-hmm. but is willing to sit down and talk about the issues, talk about the needs, talk about how we get things done as a department, how we get things done as a university uh, uh, um, uh, asset. And uh, so those are the things that, that, that go into it. Um, we were... I think very fortunate to have attracted uh, the people that we attracted over the years. And one of the the things that I was most pleased with as a director of athletics was the fact that we never had during the period of time that I was uh, the athletics director, a head coach that left the University of Virginia to take a head coaching position at another institution.
1: Wow, that's right. It's a great um, stat. That, that's yeah, amazing.
2: The, 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 there's a caveat to that in that we had one coach, Algie Bush, who was the uh, head swimming coach that left UVA to go to the University of Arizona, but it wasn't necessarily because of professional advancement. Uh, his mom and dad had retired and were living in Tucson, which was Augie's uh, alma mater. So it made, it made sense that sure. uh, he would uh, make that move. But, uh, but for that one uh, situation... Uh, and I can guarantee you. Well, I, I know it was the, the um, a reality when I was the director of athletics. Um, athletic programs, universities all over the country are interested in these people. Uh, Brian O'Connor. Oh, I know. <laughs> uh, Tony Bennett, uh, Todd Desorbo, uh, Andres Pedrosa. In, uh, in, 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 I mean, we can go uh, right down the, the line. And all of these people came to the University of Virginia for the right reasons. They understood the type of uh, young person that they would need to bring to the university, what would translate to success in athletics, and as well education at the University of Virginia. I'm very happy that so many of those people have stayed.
1: And one of those people in particular uh, is going to possibly set a milestone tonight should Virginia beat Pittsburgh. Uh, Tony Bennett is one win away, Craig, from 13 consecutive winning seasons in the ACC. Only two other coaches in history have done that, and I'm sure you know who they are, Dean Smith and Mike Krzyzewski. That's that's incredible. Uh, Having been a head basketball coach and uh, an assistant, just talk about, and you know the ACC as well as anyone, talk about how much of a challenge that is just to accomplish that feat? Well, uh, the, the
2: ACC uh, is, is truly one of the most competitive uh, basketball leagues in the country year in and year out. Sometimes it's number one, sometimes it may be number three or four, but if you're in that top three or four conferences in the sport of men's basketball or women's basketball, uh, you have uh, competition every night out. And not only do you have that level of competition, but you're going against some of the best players in the country. You're obviously going against some of the, uh, the best coaches in the country. And to do what Tony has done in a situation that is uh, 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 a challenging coaching situation from uh, recruiting and now with NIL and the transfer portal, it's even more complicated uh, the path that student-athletes uh, uh, take across the board is not an easy path. I mean, you're, you're taking real majors. You're actually going to class. And, you know, you're doing all Imagine the, that. Yeah, you're doing all the things that, uh, that, that the other students do, and you're doing it with this other activity that is playing the sport of basketball that takes up a significant time, uh, amount of time. It takes up a significant amount of energy and, and, and wear and tear. And for Tony to have had just that level of consistency over the uh, time that he's been here is just phenomenal. I was not tracking on that. Uh, it, that's an interesting stat. And uh, I'm sure one way or another he'll get there. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, no question <laughs> in my mind about that. But uh, I am so happy for uh, the success that uh, this team is having, particularly because of some of the struggles early in the, in the year. And I know just in going to games and talking to different people, there you know, what's, what's going on and is the transfer portal and is NIL finally catching up to our program and so forth. And I think that Tony has shown an ability to adapt uh, to the circumstances. He has shown an ability to adapt to his players and his players adapting to this is our way of playing the game. And uh, when we were doing the search for Tony – It was important that the person coming in had to understand how the University of Virginia was unique and uh, traditionally uh, understand what were the things that led to the success that that Terry Holland had and that we had through so many of the years that Terry was the head basketball coach here at the University of Virginia. And in understanding that and respecting that, I think uh, we were able to identify Tony as somebody that, Really could be successful here at the University of Virginia.
0: Can you give us the flip book of the job interview? I mean, you talk about one of the most impactful hires in the history of the university here, and Coach Bennett, um, as someone who bleeds orange and blue. My dad a UVA graduate. My brother went to UVA. You know, knock on wood over here. Would love if the boys went to the University of Virginia. Hootie, probably the most significant moment in my Virginia experience in life was the national championship tears coming down my face legitimately when virginia basketball won the national championship. tears of joy i'm getting emotional right now i would love to get the the flip book or the fly on the wall perspective of the interview with coach bennett and what you saw and what struck you about coach bennett as a great leader for this program
2: Well, I I think that the the lead-up to the interview was was equally interesting and important, but the interview itself, to your question, uh, was nothing out of the ordinary except for the fact that we felt as though it was very important for not only Tony to be a part of that conversation but also his wife, Laurel. And so John Oliver, our executive associate uh, AD, who did a lot of the work uh, behind the scenes to get us to that point that Tony and Laurel were here. Uh, John and I, Tony and Laurel, uh, were in a suite at the Boar's Head Inn, and we spent maybe 90 minutes, two hours, just having a conversation, and getting to know each other, and one of the things that I remember Tony saying, not only in the interview, but in a lot of conversations that we had before he coached his first game, Greg, I, I just need to know that you're gonna be comfortable in me doing it kind of my way. Uh, and there are gonna be some uh, challenging times, particularly early on, but I guarantee you that we can get the right kids here. Uh, We have all the resources that we need. It's a phenomenal school and a phenomenal league and a great area of the country, et cetera, et cetera. If you can work with me and handle some of the the, the, the downtimes that we are bound to experience, I think that we're going to be very successful here. Laura was fully engaged in the conversation as well and giving us kind of a a perspective of her husband, the, the coach, and things that she felt as though we would need to know to help Tony and uh, his development of the program. So we were very comfortable once we made the decision and just you know, turning the reins over to Tony, knowing that he understood the program, he understood the university, clearly he understood the game, but he understood how he had to coach here at the University of Virginia. And it wasn't just a matter of getting a list of the top half dozen coaches in the country had to be somebody that was obviously a very good coach, but who understood the University of Virginia, understood the ACC, understood teaching, coaching these kinds of kids, et cetera. Fantastic. Fantastic. Jeff,
1: Jeff Capel, tonight's opponent, coach of tonight's opponent, had this to say about Tony. Among many flattering things, it's on my story on the website today, but just the consistency of excellence that they've been able to have it's the reason why it's only two of the greatest coaches ever, Coach K and Coach Smith, and he's joining that company. Tony has proven during his time at Washington State and Virginia that he's one of the premier coaches that this game has seen.
2: Okay, and if we go back to that <laughs> uh, date that Tony was hired, and who you you may remember some of this, but it was kind of like, who the heck is Tony Bennett? I didn't you know? know who Tony Bennett was when I was told. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, there were dozens of emails that came in uh, within a couple hours of the announcement being made. And, yeah, I, I, I get it that he was from the West Coast. He was young, and uh, a lot of people didn't know him. I think that there was a lot of sentiment around Tubby Smith, and people were tracking the, the plane. private plane. <laughs> yeah, 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 I tail remember vividly. And all that, and all that stuff. But uh, Tony, <laughs> basketball people knew Tony Bennett, and I've told this story many, many times. Uh, a gentleman named Tom Jernstedt, who uh, is now deceased, was the vice president for basketball at the NCAA for close to 40 years, really ran the Final Four. And not only did uh, Tom run basketball for the NCAA, but he was a member of USA Basketball, the Olympic Committee. I mean, he did a lot of uh, basketball work in his career. And I was uh, two years removed from the basketball committee myself, so I had worked with Tom Jernstedt over about a five to seven year period of time. And he and I were, I can't remember where we were right now, but he knew that we were in a search for men's basketball coach. He says, well, uh, Craig, I'm, I'm, I'm telling, I'm going to tell you who the best college basketball coach in the country is. You may not know a lot about him, uh, but I guarantee you he would be a perfect fit for the University of Virginia. And my only hesitancy is that I'm not sure that you can get him. I said, well, what do you mean? He says, well, he's had opportunities to go to a number of very, very good places, and he's never even taken a visit yet. He says, the, the guy's Tony Bennett, the, the young guy at Washington State University. I said, hmm, Okay. And so I kind of put that in the memory bank. Um, Stan Morrison, who was a head basketball coach at Cal Berkeley, Pacific, uh, Southern California, knew West Coast basketball, but knew the Pac 12 uh, in particular. So I called Stan. I said, Stan, I want you to take on an assignment for me. I would like for you to rank the coaches in the Pac 12, one being the best. All right, down to number 12. And I'll give you 24 hours, and I'm going to call you back. And Stan Morrison is one of the most excitable. I mean, he just loves basketball. He doesn't care if it's youth basketball, if it's European, whatever it is. He loves basketball. And I could just tell the enthusiasm. He said, how about 24 hours? Okay, I'm on it. I'm on it. So I call him back the next day, and he says, okay, now... I'm going to tell you who the number one guy is on my list, but the only reason that he, I put him number one right now is because he's taken a couple of teams to the Final Four. He says, that's Ben Hallen at UCLA. He says, the guy that I really think is the best coach in this league is that young guy at Washington State, Tony Bennett. So, again, it affirmed everything that I was here. Everything that he said after that uh, didn't really uh, <laughs> didn't <matter. laughs> have importance to me. I, I heard what I wanted to hear at that point in time. And uh, so you know, John Oliver, as I said, uh, worked very hard behind the scenes. John was already working on how do we get an audience with, the, with, this, uh, with this guy. And um, everything that we knew about him pointed to sounds like he could be a perfect fit. This is, this is what we're looking for.
1: Uh, the first, the, uh, once I was able to break the story, the first guy I called to get comments about him, uh, was Dick Vitale and what you, he echoed just what you said. He says, he's a perfect fit for the university of Virginia. He'll do incredible things at UVA and just raved about him yeah. on and on. And I called some PAC 12 coaches and they, they all said the same thing. Just, yeah. just to echo your thoughts. And it, it was just one of those things that,
2: um, we just had a gut instinct, uh, just based on everything that he had done, style of play, uh, character, personality, all those things lined up that uh, th- this was a guy that could be successful here. So after the announcement, just a flurry of incoming criticism, <laughs> what are you doing, and all that kind of stuff. And then it was guys like Dick Vitale, uh, Terry Holland, Wally Walker, People that know basketball, people that know coaches, people that know the University of Virginia—all were saying pretty much the same thing. Boy, that—that that looks like a great hire for the University of Virginia.
0: Absolutely fantastic! And guys, we'll get to your questions here. I see dozens of questions for uh, Craig Littlepage, even a question um, from Richmond saying asking if. Uh, Mr. Little Page, does he still drive that slick blue SUV with the orange trim? (laughs) I remember that vehicle. Are you still driving that, Craig?
2: No, but I am uh, driving a blue SUV. It's a different uh, SUV. It doesn't have the orange uh, pinstripe on it. But uh, that was probably around 2014, 2013, 2014. And uh, when I traded that one in... It was uh, purchased by Gordon Burris, who at the time was uh, a special assistant uh, to uh, John Castine, uh, the president of the University of Virginia. And I'm going to the next time I see Gordon, I'm going to ask him if he still has that. uh, That was a a Tahoe, as I remember. John
0: Blair watching the program at Stanton, James Watson, the UVA graduate, watching the program as well. About this question, can you offer some insight and uh, perspective? on uh, navigating the academics and athletics at the University of Virginia, because they go hand in hand. As we were talking uh, you know, in the beginning of the show, not all universities have those, I don't wanna say challenges, because in the grand scheme of things, I think it's, uh, a, it's very beneficial for the student athletes having to navigate the a- academics as well, but it's certainly a dynamic that's considered.
2: Well, I would say that the very first thing from my standpoint as an administrator and as the director of athletics was, and I would tell any athletics director that is uh, taking over this kind of job, the very first thing that you want to do is to establish expectations with your coaches. Uh, And whether that is a new coach coming in or whether it is the continued message that you want to uh, perpetuate over time in your coaches' meetings on a monthly basis, This is what we expect of uh, all of our students, our student athletes in particular, and this is what your role must be in terms of recruiting student athletes is that they have to understand coming to the University of Virginia, you're expected to go to class, you're expected to uh, pursue a a meaningful degree. Uh, We would anticipate that you would want to remain in Charlottesville for significant amounts of time during the summer months to take courses that can either put you ahead academically where you can lighten your load during the uh, academic year or in some cases uh, where you may have to catch up for uh, different reasons and those different reasons. We have a lot of kids that go to uh, uh, Olympics and uh, international competition and some of those take place right at the beginning of the academic year and they may miss two months. And as a result, they have to make up almost a semester's worth of work. So they have to make a commitment to doing it every day uh, during the academic year, but they also have to make a commitment that I might be around here uh, once classes end until August 1 before I ever get a break.
0: Uh, more questions coming in, and who do you jump in anytime you want? I'd love to put in, in perspective the flipbook of baseball. Um, I was working for the best boss I ever had, and Jerry Ratcliffe. Um, when Brian O'Connor was hired and you touched on baseball, the stadium you you mentioned um, that it needed a lot of work um, (laughs) when Brian O'Connor was hired and I'll put it in perspective Um, Hootie Ratcliffe I believe was on the recruiting beat Um, Andrew Joyner who was the baseball beat writer at the Daily Progress at the time was also the lacrosse beat writer and he was covering the lacrosse team when Coach Starge's teams were contending for national championship I was a little old guy fresh out of UVA on Hootie Ratcliffe's team. He said, I want you to go cover the hire of this new coach. He's going to lead the baseball team. His name is Brian O'Connor. And we went over to the press box and the press box um, at the time at the the state, it wasn't even Davenport. then. I forget what it was called. The press box could basically hold about 10 people. Jeff White was there I was there, Coach O'Connor was there, one SID was there, and no one else, and there was not much room in the press box. Mm-hmm. And we're talking with Coach Con- O'Connor, who's fresh from Notre Dame, uh, about, about baseball and his expectations, and you could tell he had this incredible zest uh, for being uh, around student athletes and wanting to coach, a competitive drive, and he was hungry. He, he, he didn't know much about the conference yet. Right, right. I mean, he was fresh from Notre Dame. Let's cut to the chase. But it was just a phenomenal hire. National championship. The rest is history. Give us the Brian O'Connor flipbook.
2: Well, uh, and he was probably all 32 years old. He was now. so young. <laughs> yeah. He was yeah. so young. Because right. uh, he has a baby face. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, I had started interviewing candidates for the position and I went to Charlotte, North Carolina to interview a couple guys, and I think I'm gonna go into Atlanta for a day to interview two guys. And then at the tail end of my trip, I was going to Cincinnati, and I had made an appointment to meet Brian O'Connor, who was in the midst of a long recruiting trip himself, and we agreed that we could meet together at, uh, uh, I think it was a Double tree Hotel at the Cincinnati airport. And I I told this story at the time. This isn't something that was contrived after the fact. But I remember telling the story that within 15 minutes of me talking with Brian O'Connor, the thought came through my head, I'm going to hire this guy. This this is our guy. I just had something uh, that, that, that went off inside that made me feel as though this was a perfect person to take over the program. So when he was introduced, when Brian was introduced weeks later, Uh, at the press conference to announce his hiring, I told that story. And he came up and says, well, I wish you would have told me before uh, the actual uh, offer of the job because I spent a lot of sleepless nights worrying about whether I was getting the job or not. So, But um, here was a guy who was absolutely prepared in every area uh, to take over the baseball program at UVA and uh, whether it was selecting a staff, delegation of the staff, uh, recruiting, how to set up recruiting, what territories, what areas were important in terms of uh, uh, having a presence, University of Virginia, having a presence there, uh, how to schedule in the non-conference in particular. Um, You you just went down and he had a playbook, what we call playbook, which was basically a, a coach's guide for how they would run the program. And it was almost like flip the page. Boom. He had it all set. And at the end of the interview, we probably talked, you know, close to 90 minutes or so. I just went away feeling as though we could, we could end this thing right now. Clearly, we had to go through the formalities of bringing him in to uh, see the university, to see the ground, see the area. See uh, the stadium. <laughs> see the stadium. His wife came with him, uh, uh, Cindy. And uh, I... Flew when we got done with the visit, I flew back with them because I wanted to spend as much time uh, with, uh, with with Brian and Cindy to make sure that they knew of my personal commitment to get this program going. Because if you, if you remember, we were a a baseball program that was uh, 500. I, mean, I think we had gone to one NCAA tournament uh, back in the mid 90s and so forth. Uh, but again, I just had a gut feeling about this guy being really special and thank goodness he's done what uh, we all would like for him to do here as the head baseball coach.
0: We should put in perspective. He took a re- he took a chance. He took a risk coming here. Yeah, um, because this was a program that, you know, left a lot to be desired. How's yeah,
2: that? Yeah. Here, here's another uh, uh, great part of the recruitment of Brian O'Connor uh, to the University of Virginia. Um, I get a phone call one day in the office, and my administrative assistant, uh, Becky Davis, says, uh, Craig, I have Mr. Paul Maneri on the phone. I knew who Paul was. I said, oh, that's great. So unsolicited, he had called me. And I was told to expect this call, as I remember it now, because I had a notepad with about half a dozen questions on it. And so he says, you know, Craig, I'm calling uh, just to tell you a little bit about Brian. He's been my right-hand guy, and he does everything for us in recruiting and pitchers. He's great. He'll be, uh, you know, a great fit for the University of Virginia. And so being the conscientious young director of athletics, I was probably AD at that time for two years, and I said, well, Paul, let me ask you this. And I, you know, had the first question. And he gets halfway through his answer. He says, Craig, I'm, I'm just telling you. Hire the guy. I said, Well, Paul, I got these other questions. It's question two. And again, he answers part of it. Craig, I'm telling you, hire the guy. <laughs> two more questions, and finally he gets, he gets a little frustrated. He says, Craig, I'm telling you, hire the guy, and this is the point that he made. Hire this guy. You will never regret it. Period. Explanation mark, whatever. And that has stuck with me. Paul was here broadcasting a game uh, this past baseball season and we had a chance to visit a little bit and we recalled that conversation. And I think it, it, he could remember that he was a little frustrated because he just wanted to get to the chase, cut to the chase, <laughs> hire this guy. And he said, hire him. You will never regret it.
1: I love it. I love and, it. And he was, and coach O'Connor was just, um, baseball hall. fame, Yeah. Into the baseball yeah, hall. college baseball hall. Of fame. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Paul Maneri, we, uh, had him on a podcast, um, a couple of years ago, it was when Virginia was getting ready to play Tennessee in the College World Series, and uh, Paul was in his last year at LSU, and or, well, actually he had uh, he had announced that was that was it for him. They had been eliminated by Tennessee, and and he broke the. Nobody at the time knew it, um, but LSU was looking for a new head coach to replace him, and he had recommended to his people to hire. Brian O'Connor, and I don't think anybody knew it. Maybe some of the uh, ADs did, but nobody else out in fandom had a clue. And he broke it on the podcast that that Brian had turned down the LSU offer. Well, I, and it was in the uh, New Orleans paper the next day about uh, him talking about it on our podcast, which yeah. is pretty cool.
2: After Brian's first year at the University of Virginia – uh, and we won maybe 44 games, something like that. In the prior year, the team had won 23, 24, something like that. But it was a remarkable turnaround. We get to the, uh, to the tournament. And Brian calls me on a Saturday morning. He says, you know, Craig, what are you doing today? And this is like May. Uh, what are you doing today? I said, yeah, I'm just doing stuff around the house. He said, you got 30 minutes to meet with me. I said, sure, you want, you want to talk over it? He says, no, I'd prefer to meet in person if we could get together in the office. I had a little bit of an idea as to what may be up. So uh, we meet later that afternoon. He says, uh, uh, I got a call from an institution uh, that is ready to send their private uh, jet up to pick Cindy and me up. Um, I can probably triple my compensation everything And I was getting a little bit worried, but he says I I, I don't want you to worry about it. Um, uh, And I'm not here to ask for anything for myself. He says, you guys have given me an opportunity. I haven't accomplished what I came here to accomplish, and I'm staying here until I get done what I came here to to do and why you hired me. He says, the only thing that I would ask is that if there's a way that you can help me keep my assistant coaches so, I mean, here was an opportunity that he had to leave and make a heck of a lot more money and to leverage it. He says, you yeah, know, all I want is an opportunity to, to keep my staff together. And he ended up being able to keep his staff together for 15, 16 years or so. Mm. Uh, but that is a demonstration of the character. Uh,
1: we saw that with Coach Bennett. Yeah. yeah. He did the Tony, same thing. Tony turned money down, right? And yeah. Turned yeah. money Obviously down and donated offers.
2: money at the same time. Yeah. Uh, and that. As, as the director of athletics at the time and now as a retired guy to see those big examples of character mm-hmm. and really taking seriously their role within higher education and here at the University of Virginia that that's that's big time it is big time
0: how about this question for you um we've talked about a lot mm-hmm. of uh incredible moments. I mean, iconic moments in UVA athletics history. I mean, we're talking the type of moments here that shaped UVA history that you've been a part of. Tough question for you. How about some of the low points mm. of, of of the career, of the tenure at UVA? Were there any? Any regrets? Oh,
2: absolutely. Uh, well, we had the uh, unfortunate deaths of several student-athletes, uh, which uh, Those, those are there, – there's not a playbook for that, and there's no way that you can anticipate them, and there's no way that you can anticipate how the other student-athletes on that team, how the other student-athletes in the department, and how the university as a whole is going to respond uh, to those uh, kinds of circumstances. So those were obviously very, very difficult uh, situations that um, – as I now am talking to uh, my retired friends in the business, when we talk about the difficult times, you, you know that there are going to be, uh, obviously, or hoping for a lot of wins, you know that there are going to be some losses along the way, but when it comes to the loss of uh, a young person who might be uh, uh, somebody that you look at as a future leader, that, that's a difficult thing. Um, I, I would say that the, the, that was those were probably the most difficult uh, the situations at all. Uh, clearly, there were uh, uh, specific games uh, that, uh, that come to mind. And actually, my wife and I were watching a game over the weekend, and the, the, she recalled this, and I had been thinking about it as well. And it was uh, an, an ACC men's basketball tournament game probably in Tony's second year, we were playing the University of Miami. I might not have the numbers exactly right, but we were up by maybe 10 points with a minute 20 to go. And we lost that game in overtime. And uh, that was, and I'll never forget, uh, there was a timeout with about a minute 40 left in the game. And at the time we may have been up 10 points at that point. And I left my seat to work my way to the locker room because I wanted to be there when Tony and the team came in. And I'm standing in the locker room, and I'm hearing cheers and moans and everything else. And I went out into the hallway outside the the locker room in the Greensboro Coliseum to watch what was happening, and my heart was just sinking uh, with every uh, uh, missed uh, opportunity, whether it was a free throw, whether it was a turnover, et cetera. Uh, but that, that was one moment that's fresh in my mind because my wife and I were just happen, happening uh, to, to talk about that over the weekend.
1: Yeah, I remember that game. They couldn't inbound the ball. Couldn't inbound the ball. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a rough ending <laughs> for sure. Uh, one thing that – But on the other hand, uh, yeah, think about a,
2: uh, a bank shot by uh, – I can't remember his first name, Thompson – Uh, in men's basketball Darius Darius Thompson at Wake Forest or the
0: Louisville finish
1: turned the the whole season around yeah Yeah.
2: the Louisville finish yeah which was and uh, there's a story behind that too I was uh, on my way to New York City and I had driven to Washington I was going to take an early flight the next morning to go to uh, to to go to New York City so I get to the hotel around five o'clock grab dinner Get back to the hotel, um, watching the game, and the game is not going well against the University of Louisville. And with about two or three minutes left in the game, oh, shh, get my stuff while I'm going to go work out and everything. And 90 minutes later, get back to the room, and I'm watching highlights, and they're <laughs> talking about this, you know, this incredible shot that uh, that Virginia makes to to win at. Louisville is a no, no way that really didn't happen but uh, that's been uh, that was one of a long string of great games that we have uh, had against the University of Louisville and if you look at the numbers the University of Virginia's record against Louisville and not just in the last couple of years but uh, over the course of time that Tony has been our basketball coach, I mean it's nothing short of phenomenal
1: yeah, uh, Rick Pitino said that Virginia was his kryptonite, and he certainly had that right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I was at that game, and it, it, I was sitting on – my seat was on the baseline right in front of that whole scenario with the whatever part of a second was left. And I, I still don't believe it. I saw it live and right in front of me, and I, it's still hard to conceive that that happened. Um uh, you also, when you were an assistant coach for Terry Holland, uh, experienced some of the greatest times in Virginia basketball history with Ralph. Yes. What was that like? I mean, people asked me what it was like covering those teams, and I said, it, you know, it, I never covered the Beatles, but I imagine it was probably like covering the Beatles because you guys were a national phenomena. Uh, everywhere you went, people wanted a piece of you. I remember going to Tokyo with you guys, and people just following Ralph and the team around, even into the men's room one time. He still (laughs) has some of that Genesee
0: Qua around town now.
1: Yeah, still does. But I mean, it was like it was almost automatic—you were going to win. It was just by how much. What what was it like being a part of all that? Well, uh, it was fun, but at the same time,
2: there was. an element of pressure because we were always expected to win and Ralph was expected to to make every shot and to get every rebound and to block every shot and and so forth, which obviously is is unrealistic. But to have the level of interest uh, focused on our program and clearly it came because of Ralph. And Ralph was just so good at kind of pushing some of that attention to his teammates, pushing some of that attention to the university. And as much as uh, we had journalists in in all the different forms of media to come to those games, to come to our practice, to talk to Ralph, in so many situations, it wasn't about Ralph, it was about the team, and it was about the University of Virginia. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the story of Ralph coming to the University of Virginia, A. B, the story of him staying at the University of Virginia for four years, getting a degree, living on the lawn, is one of the most significant events in the history of the University of Virginia. Yeah. I mean, uh, but every day, the number of media requests, either to uh, get to the game or to come to practice, to get 15 minutes with Ralph or to have that amount of time with Terry... And it always made a transition into, okay, we had the conversation with Ralph. Let's talk to Ricky Stokes. Let's talk to Lee Raker and Terry Gates about this guy that's such a phenomenal um, uh, uh, player and human being. And uh, some of the most uh, important uh, times of my career in athletics, coaching or administratively, were doing that period of time that Ralph Sampson was here at the University of Virginia.
1: That, that must have been one of the most intense recruiting wars of all time when you guys were up against Joe B. Hall from Kentucky and Dean Smith and, and some others, but that, ha- that had to be just intense. <laughs> you probably had trouble sleeping at night at times. Well, the, the reason that we had trouble sleeping at
2: night is because we were traveling virtually every to every Harrison high school game whether it was in Harrisonburg or whether it was in uh, Stewart's draft or you know you, you name it we if he was playing we were there and um, uh, we developed I think a great relationship with his family a great relationship with the staff there at Harrisonburg High School and uh, the other part of the the Ralph Sansa recruitment was um, understanding the challenges that every student athlete were going to have academically we wanted to make sure early on that uh, uh the university was going to be firmly behind Ralph and 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 the program in this endeavor and i'll never forget a conversation that Terry and i had with John Castine who at the time was the dean of admissions mm-hmm. obviously he went on uh, John went on to be the president of the university but it was right after Ralph's uh, junior, that was after his sophomore year in high school, we made an appointment with uh, John and we talked about this unusual situation that we had of the the very best player in the whole country one hour away and we thought that we might have an opportunity uh, to recruit him at the University of Virginia. And we wanted to make sure that we didn't get too far down the road without John hearing the whole story of who he was, what kind of young man he was, what the intel was that we were getting from the, uh, the teachers and the counselors and the uh, principal, etc. cetera. And uh, I remember John having a folder in front of him that we had given him, and he goes through the folder and he's looking at grades and he's looking at recommendations and this, and that, and the other. folds it up after about five minutes. He says, this is exactly the kind of young man that can be successful here at the University of Virginia. Let's get him. Wow, that's, that's absolutely crazy. And that—that—that that, that was all that we needed. And then for the next uh, year and a half or more, it was uh, constant trips, multiple trips every week over to see him wherever he was playing. And we—we uh, we had a uh, a spy, uh, a neighbor who <laughs> would give us a heads up on who it was that were was making a visit. So if Lefty Jell came in, we would get a call the next day, Lefty was here, by the way, or B. Hall, Dean Smith, and Bill <laughs> Guthridge are here. So we knew exactly who was coming in uh, at, uh, just about uh, with 100% certainty. But uh, it was an exciting time, and to be a part of that uh, certainly was a, a, a great uh, feeling, particularly when <laughs> we heard the answer that I want UVA.
1: That's a great story.
0: (laughs) So many questions coming in here. Let me see if I can highlight some from the viewers and listeners. Here's an interesting one. Would you offer perspective who else was on the short list on the basketball hire of Coach Bennett had said no? Uh,
2: No, I wouldn't do that. uh, Primarily because whether it was during the period of time I was the director of athletics or now the work that I do in executive search, when I go into a search, I promise any prospective candidate complete confidentiality. All right. So if a coach that we might have interviewed for the position or shown interest in made a statement, I mean, that's fine. I would not make it. So uh, the other part of that is Tony Bennett uh, for probably 10 years had a, a part of the story of him, him coming to the University of Virginia and I never talked a lot about the, the, the hiring of Tony Bennett, and he told this story that when he told it to a group of donors um, about 2016 or 2017, I was hearing this story for the first time, and the long and short of it was that when he and his wife flew back home after visiting the University of Virginia, on the ride he told his wife, when we get to, back to Pullman, I'm going to call Mr. Littlepage, and tell him that I'm staying here at Washington State. And Laurel basically said, well, you know, Tony, it's late when we get back. you told Mr. Littlepage that you would call him tomorrow morning, there's no need to call him tonight. Let's talk about it, let's pray on it, get a good night's sleep, and if you want to remain at Washington State in the morning, I'm all with you, but you shouldn't make a decision like this on the plane ride. Sure enough, he woke up the next morning. I'm ready to go to UVA. And, <laughs> wow. And, and I didn't know that until, as I said, almost 10 years later.
0: We've gone, hooty, um almost an hour here, and we've got to get his perspective on the transfer portal and the NIL. I mean, do you – the purist in me um, finds it at times disheartening. Um, and why I find it disheartening is one of the things I love about college basketball is the – third or fourth year or, or redshirt senior playing on the team and watching them develop um, throughout their career in Charlesville or throughout their career in any program. Um, I understand it's today's basketball. We look at the current team, What you have. It's today's college sports, today's not just college, basketball. Today's college sports. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You yeah. Beekman, you had McNeely, and you had Dunn returning for this team. Outside of that, almost the entire... The entire team is new. Um, Your thoughts, open-ended question on the transfer portal and on NIL and today's college sports.
1: Well, the
2: the part of the question that I would talk about first is why we're here. Uh, And why we're here, in part, is because of inaction uh, that started back in the early 2000s, like with the transfer uh, topic uh, there have been committees and uh, working groups that have been talking about transfer regulations and modifying transfer regulations for decades, and we just could never build a consensus strong enough with a package that met all the different variables, which is understandable, but at some point in time you 've got to make a decision you 've got to be able so we had uh, this set of NCAA rules that separated football, basketball, and I think it was hockey or maybe baseball. I can't remember what the, but football and basketball in particular were separated from the standard regulations. So the standard NCAA rule used to be that if you transferred, you were required to have a year in residence at the school that you moved to, all right? In every sport except football, basketball, and it's hockey or whatever it was, it may have been baseball, you could apply for a waiver and have immediate eligibility. And that was one of the reasons that this whole thing about uh, the transfers came up. You know, why are these different rules for these different kids? Are you disadvantaging primarily ethnic minority kids, primarily, again, football and basketball versus kids that play golf and tennis, et, et cetera, et cetera? And these working groups and committees would talk about it. They'd come back and, well, that doesn't meet the need. Anyway, the inaction resulted in then coaching groups and others calling for Congress, calling for, when we get to NIL, the state legislatures to, to get involved, and these other outsiders. And the minute that you put decision-making in the hands of folks that aren't practitioners and understand the rules and understand the issues, then you get what we, in my opinion, what we have right now, which is a hodgepodge. And um, I am a traditionalist. I'm an old-timer. College athletics, uh, whether you like it or not, is an integral part of higher education the things that are being done right now have very little connection to education, which bothers me. Same. And you know whether it's you can transfer in the middle of a year, it doesn't matter when you transfer. You can transfer multiple times. And, and none of this movement helps kids get an education and then earn a degree. So that's where I come from when I talk about Uh, the transfer topic in particular.
0: thousand percent with you on this. How does a school that prioritizes academics first, you know, continue to compete on the national scale with perhaps other schools that do not? And furthermore, I mean, you got, you got, I was, I was looking on reading one of the newspapers, Hootie, the Georgia quarterback just bought a $275,000 Lamborghini.
1: Yeah. Did you yeah. see that? I did see that. A
0: $275,000 Lamborghini. you got some athletes that are choosing not to go professional because they make more money coming back for another year through NIL, staying in college. How does a university compete in this world? University of Virginia compete in this world.
2: Tony Bennett and Tony Elliott and Coach Mox and others probably could give you a more definitive answer. But my quick answer is, There are enough great kids out there who themselves, and in addition, their families value education. Uh And that value the hard work that goes into not only getting an education, but uh, becoming proficient in your your given sport. So there will be uh, players, student athletes out there that will buy into that sort of uh, program. Uh, The the problem is that there's always the lure of a program where I can get a a, a good education as well, but also be compensated handsomely to play my sport. And uh, the the question is whether you have strong enough leadership in your program, your coaches in particular, that they can, first of all, identify those uh, young people, and whether they have a track record of being able to develop those people. And the problem that I see is uh, you you have a program that is development oriented and you put two years in or you put three years in and just at the time that they're ready to participate and contribute and somebody uh, takes them away for a different opportunity and for X number of dollars. And that's difficult. I think that we're still – kind of waiting to see how this thing all works out in the end, but I I always think that there will be a market, there will be a pool, I should say, of young people that are going to value education and value the kind of experience that you can get at a place like University of Virginia, and I just hope that that doesn't change. Same.
1: Same. Where where do you think all this is headed, Greg? I mean, we hear rumors all the time about a mega conference a a new realignment where there's X amount of schools that will be like the NFL etc. Some schools won't be able to compete because of the pay for play Uh, it's just so many crazy things out there I'm sure you, you probably hear more stuff than we do because of your contacts through ADs around the country what Where do you think all this is headed? Or the super conferences? Super conferences, et cetera. Yeah, Yeah, the
2: thing that I hear the most about right now is whether there's a way to separate major college, FBS, football from all the other sports and all the other schools that don't play football at all or don't play FBS football. Um, And that would then require that... uh, college football at that level be a completely separate entity, just kind of off to the side. And I don't know who makes the rules and, and, and everything else. And then there's preservation of the uh, existing programs um, that are playing all the other sports, again, with football kind of off to the side. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't studied it enough, talked to enough people to, completely understand how feasible that is but it would seem to make sense because uh, right now decisions about football are driving uh, realignment are driving the spending uh, uh, binge that many schools are on uh, are driving so much of what's going on it would be a shame six years from now to look at college athletics without March Madness yes to look at college athletics without the College World Series, whether it's baseball or or softball. Or rivalries. The rivalries that have changed and have been impacted by this. Um, So again, being old-fashioned and more of a traditionalist, I think that the best hope for being able to preserve some of the good things that we uh, see and love about college sports is to maybe take football and have it be kind of a standalone entity. Again, I'm, I'm not advocating it because there's not a formal uh, proposal that gives the details, and the devil is always in the details. But it sounds like something that could possibly work, and again, preserve the good things that we feel about uh, so much that we see in college athletics.
1: It makes sense. It makes perfect sense. Yeah.
0: And that might be the best of the scenarios that are out there. Uh, for college purists and fans. I mean, how, how about this one? Did you ever think you'd see an Atlantic Coast conference that was coast to coast? I never thought that.
1: No. Not only are you the Stanford of the East, but you'll be playing Stanford. They're <laughs> in the same conference. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But to think, and, and, and this
2: is why it's really sad, to think that a school like Stanford University and all that it stands for and the excellence that it has stood for, the school that has won the Directors' Cup, which speaks to broad-based competitive excellence in athletics.: Yes, didn't have a home, didn't have a conference home. It just doesn't make sense. Cal Berkeley is another great school with not a only a
0: conference home. home, but in a lot of ways, in some ways, disregarded, Which is crazy.: Yes. Because that's, as you've
2: indicated, or high, that's the
0: pinnacle of, of well-roundedness.
2: Yes, I agree. Southern Methodist is another great school. Um, but we'll see what happens. There are a lot of smart people that are talking about it. The president, uh, Charlie Baker, NCAA president, is floating a number of different ideas and concepts. But uh, we in college athletics have to start Moving more assertively to make decisions instead of asking legislators and Congress and these other entities to help us. So hopefully we'll see something move in that direction that the practitioners can really get
1: things together. Is there anything we missed today that you wanted to talk about that we might have overlooked
2: No, I, I, again, I'm so happy with what has uh, continued in terms of uh, competitive success for the UVA program. Carla's done a very, very good job. Congratulations to Carla on her appointment to the College Football Playoff Selection Committee. That is huge, not only for the um, uh, for the for the playoff, but it's huge for for Carla and for the attention that that brings to our program here at the University of Virginia. So well done. I'm very happy with that. Um, I, I'm just so pleased to see the continued uh, success and contributions of student-athletes beyond what they do in their sports. Um, I just think that there are so many good things that are happening around the University of Virginia, not only within athletics, but outside uh, I'm so happy with the way that the community has embraced uh, UVA sports, and as you know, having been around uh, the university community for as long as you have, it wasn't always like that. Right? Uh, there was uh, a point in time I arrived here in 1976, and uh, the, the sports program was much different, obviously, than it uh, than it is right now, and uh, there were people that just didn't feel as though the University of Virginia is somewhere that we should pursue excellence. And when I became athletics director in 2001, that was what John Castine and uh, Gordon Rainey, who was the rector of the Board of Visitors at the time, said that we want excellence to mean not only academic excellence, but we want for excellence to be in uh, academics, in athletics, in everything that we do. And I think that that was a great Way to uh, get our trajectory going in the direction that it has continued, even today.
1: We could sit and talk to you I all know, day. I know. We got to be min- <laughs> mindful of this I'll man's bet there's time. There's thousands of questions out I, there.
0: There. there are, and I, I apologize <laughs> to the viewers and listeners for the questions we're not getting to here. We have to be mindful of this man's time. It is incredibly valuable. How about we close with this one here—a little humanizing question. How does uh, Craig Littlepage and the fabulous Mrs. Littlepage? Uh, what do they do on a, on, a, on a Friday or Saturday night in Charlesville when they want to relax and, and enjoy the community, maybe dinner plans or show plans or anything like that?
2: Well, I, I mentioned earlier, we do love uh, live arts. Uh, I am a member of the board of the Paramount Theater. So this Friday night, for example, I'm going to a show at the Paramount. My, my wife and I will go to a show at the Paramount We travel up and down the East Coast to to many shows. Uh, Saturday, we'll be going to a men's basketball game. That's a pretty important game against Wake Forest University. Uh, I think there's there's a women's game on Sunday, if I'm not mistaken, I'll have to go check the the schedule. But uh, we have our interests that connect to the university, uh, but we also have uh, friends and activities outside of the university and outside of athletics that are uh, equally as important. Um, and, obviously, then there are uh, there's family, and our children are adult children, and we have a daughter that's a travel nurse living in Charlotte, North Carolina, another uh, daughter that's a uh, nurse in pediatric oncology at uh, Sloan Memorial in New York City. Our son, the middle child, is in the family business. He's an assistant director of athletics at Temple University uh, in marketing. And... Uh, these are things that uh, occupy us, give us uh, great value. And uh, it, it was interesting because when I was talking about and thinking about retirement, the one um, topic that my wife, Margaret, and I didn't discuss is where we were going to live. And it was, you know, where else would we live? I mean, there's, we don't know of any place that's better. And Amen. my wife grew up here. Our kids primarily grew up here. I've lived and worked here more than half of my uh, life on this uh, on this earth. And it was you know and I've had friends well, did you guys talk about other places? no, we we never had a conversation about it. We knew that this is where we were gonna be and until the kids tell us that we got to go to assisted living, we're living in Charlottesville. <laughs> you are a joy to interview. This guy is fantastic.
0: Um, this, I'm going to echo one of the viewers' and listeners' comments from Stephanie Wells Rhodes. It's been a pleasure, Mr. Little Page. Thank you all for you've done for our university, Wahoo Wah, um, a gentleman that shaped the university as much as any, Craig Littlepage. For those that are asking, the entire show archive, wherever you get your podcast or your social media content, this man, Jerry Hoody Ratcliffe, set up this interview, the Virginia Sports Hall of Famer, 40-plus years on the UVAB, beat, his 50th consecutive ACC tournament on the horizon. That is a, a, a champion milestone event. Fifty straight tournaments. That's, um, I mean, I'm blown away just saying that, Hootie.
1: There aren't many people that've done that, right? I, yeah, I, you know, I didn't even think about it until uh, we were talking about it
0: I last guess week. Last
1: week, I, yeah. it didn't even hit me until he he mentioned that. I mean, he asked Fifty me, straight. He asked me when my favorite tournament was, and I said, well, probably the first one in '74, and then. He said, What? that's 50 years. I said, well, I never even thought about it. <laughs> My favorite tournament. I remember getting out of school for
0: the ACC tournament. My dad prioritized yeah. school, but he would let us out for the ACC tournament because it meant so much to him. We got to go. Um, Craig Littlepage is absolutely fabulous. Give props to Judah Wickhauer behind the camera. MVP. Allows us, Mr. Consistency, undoubtedly, Hootie, to do what we love, which is talk Virginia sports. Thank you kindly for joining us. You guys have a good morning and so long. Craig, that was fantastic. He's going to tell us when the mics and cameras.